Welcome to the Sonic Talk special. Uh, we're here talking with uh, Georgie Ward, who's there in London. Um, the reason uh, Georgie is here is because a good friend of both of ours, uh, Will Gregory, uh, pointed me at a brilliant performance video they did at St George's Hall, which was kind of based around the piano, but also had an enormous amount of uh, technology and whatnot. And I was really struck by just how intensely, it seems so intensely put together and rehearsed and just sort of fantastically accomplished. And I just thought, well, we need to speak to you. So uh, there, here we are. How are you? How are you finding <laughs> lockdown and all of these things? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm in London, so Christmas is officially cancelled for me. My parents are in Bristol. So, um, yeah, it's lovely to be able to speak to you today because I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that funny period between Christmas and New Year that's been exacerbated. Well, not even that at Christmas yet, but yeah, we can't do anything at the moment. So may as well do an interview, eh? So, George, yeah. you tell... Yeah. <laughs> Tell, tell me, um, just just explain, I've got, a, I have a couple of clips. I mean, the first clip was uh, basically the piano part. So there's three three movements or three songs here. And this is in St. George's Hall on a lovely Steinway, Steinway yeah. uh, EP Thing. I'll put some other clips, but so, so tell me, how did this happen? I mean, what, what was the kind of, because I've, I've been looking for your sort of online um, uh, persona or, you know, there, there's very little about you. You don't have as much kind of, or at least not, not for old boys like me who are looking for web pages and biogs and stuff. Yeah. So tell me, how did, how did this all happen? Yeah, I don't have a website. Um, it's probably something I should do, but um, uh yeah, I haven't really got around to doing that yet. Um, so basically, over the summer, St. George's was um, shut, so they couldn't put on any concerts. Um, and they were offering the venue to local artists for recordings or like um, like live stream performances and things like that. So I got in touch with the, the team there and said, oh, I'd love to do something. At this point, I didn't really know what I had in mind, but I just thought, my gosh, I need to make the most of this amazing opportunity. Um, so yeah, I got in touch with uh, Trish and Suzanne there um, and booked in a day. And then I had to think about what I was going to do. And I already, um, I had already released a couple of piano pieces. So um, I definitely had that in mind, but I really wanted to incorporate the synth. So um, I'm beginning to work towards a solo set for piano and synth. So really kind of wanted to just give people an idea as to what they, they might experience if they were to come along to a full show. Mm. Um, uh, the electronic stuff was sort of the, the stuff that took the most time to, mm. to sort. Um, but yeah, to use that Model D piano there was just amazing. It's such a lovely piano uh, and such so, a lovely hall. It, I mean, St. George's, I'm, uh, for those that I'm in it because I've got a friend, Gaz, who lives in Bristol and he's 
you know, St. George's is quite legendary. We filmed a piece, uh, mm. I've forgotten now, with uh, the music from the guy who did uh, the Captain Scarlet stuff. Uh, and, and it was uh, with Adrian Utley and uh, it was, it, it sounded yeah. amazing. You know, the acoustics in the space, it's quite legendary. But that piano, yeah. I must admit, I mean, it almost sounded like a sample library. It was so beautifully <laughs> set up and in tune to me. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't have those sort of ears that can tell, but it, it's quite a special uh, piece of equipment, right? Yeah, oh, it was so lovely to play. Um, but I mean, it, the sound engineer on the day, Ben Cap, who um, is a good friend of mine, he really is the one um, who made it sound amazing. He, my, I think he had like nine or ten mics on oh, the wow. on the piano. Um, so yeah, and then we had a room mic as well. But obviously, we didn't need um, too much reverb because it was an empty space with no people in it. So. Um, there was a lot of just natural reverb there. Um, but yeah, I, I really have him to thank for how it sounds because he did a really good job. Really, really good job. So you rock, you rock up, you set up. I mean, a day is, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, that's going to be a long day, I'd imagine. And the way that you then performed... I mean the, the 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 piano pieces. I mean, because I, I I get the sense that the piano and the keyboard is your primary instrument, and perhaps you're you're yeah. are you classically trained. I mean, how... yeah. So definitely, um, piano is my sort of um, main main instrument, and um, I I have played a lot of sort of contemporary classical music, and I well initially studied through Suzuki piano method. So from an early age, I um, was. I went through this Japanese method um, called Suzuki. I don't know if you've. Is that the heard one where that. they kind of play you stuff while you're asleep? And uh, yeah, so it it focuses on kind of listening um, and really developing the ear um, before sort of reading music. Um, but I had a lovely teacher in Bristol who actually I'm still in touch with all the time, um, and so she kind of started me off. But yeah, definitely my um, roots are in classical music um but yeah i mean um synthesis is kind of slightly newer in my career but it's opened up a whole new world <laughs> so well, one thing that's quite interesting about classically trained people is generally speaking it's quite a hard transition from rigid the rigid kind of framework of contemporary classical music or classical music in in, in its mm. hot because it's you know it's written it's it's kind of expressed in a very uh um formal way so, I mean, that transition then, because I noticed you do quite a lot of improvisation as well. I mean, do you find, have you found that quite easy? Because I'm, I'm guessing maybe the Suzuki method helps with that because more regular, you know, sort of, I, I'm imagining the teacher with the ruler on the back of the fingers playing the keyboard, you know, the old fashioned <laughs> way, whereas Suzuki's a yeah. bit more of a kind of, well, it's not, I mean, it's not massively new, but what, 60s was it that it was? It was first? Yeah. Yeah, rough uh, around then. Yeah, it's still it is a relatively new um, method. But um, yeah, I mean, I suppose I was always slightly rebellious in the Suzuki sense because um, it's it's very very classical, really. And I think mm. as a as a teenager, I um, begun to be, you know be more interested in jazz and um, other styles. So I would often like play a Suzuki piece and then play it again, but do my own version of it. Um, and that's probably how I then went into writing my own stuff and, mm. and improvising a little bit more. Um, but it was a great grounding, but I, um, yeah, I probably was a little bit rebellious. Rebel teenager. It's yeah. interesting. There was a comment in one of the uh, it, it, on the on your performance, uh, which uh, I'm just trying to find it now. Um, 
that basically said, uh, I guess it was a friend of yours that said, oh, it's so lovely to see you playing the piano that you used to perform on at concerts. So I'm guessing that must mean you performed in concerts as a, as a child yes. or a teen. So that was why St George's is um, just like so close to me, really, because I, I grew up in Bristol um, and I used to do, we used to have like Suzuki concerts there every Easter. So from quite a young age, I used to, to go up and um, perform on that amazing piano, you know, with the, at that point I would have had like a footstool because my feet wouldn't have um, <laughs> reached the floor. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, the other thing about Suzuki Method is um, they really encourage performing from a, from a young age. So even if it's just like twinkle, twinkle, little star in right. one hand, um, you're up there and you are performing and you're bowing and introducing your pieces. So um, it's a very good training from the performance aspect as well. Wow. Okay. So how did, how did the, the music technology and the synths kind of come about then? Was that something that was introduced for a, a later stage of education or was that just your general interest? It's all Will's fault. Oh, ah, I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, when Will was the, the one who introduced me to synths, I really um, was pretty clueless um, before, before that. So, um, I, you know, I'd heard about synthesizers and things, but never really played them. Um, and then Will called me up and asked me to sort of audition for the, for the Moogs. Um, and I turned up and, um, uh, we, we were just going to play sort of one page of the, the Bach Brandenburg number three, mm -hmm. which we, we do with the, with the Moogs. And I was playing, um, this, this thing here, the SH09. That, and yeah, <laughs> I recognize it cause it's got the broken uh, pitch, pitch wheel. I knew, I knew I'd seen it before. Yeah. So, um, this is his synth actually. He's really kindly, um, let me sort of loan it on a long, long term. Um, but yeah, I turned wow. up and I was introduced to this and of course, um, you know, from a piano point of view, it's firstly tiny. Um, the keys aren't weighted, but um, so I couldn't, I couldn't really play at all. I think we got to the end of the first line and um, I had to stop because I couldn't change octave. I literally did not know how to use um, this synth. So um, yeah, it, that was my first introduction. And um, wow. since then, <laughs> um, since things, then I've grown Things really have got out of hand pretty fast by the looks of things, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a dangerous thing to get into, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I'm just really fond of the SH09 now because it was my first sort of synth. And I think it was a really good introduction to synthesis because it kind of behaves itself. It's pretty stable um, and it kind of does what it should on the, on the front panel. It yeah. Do what, so what crazy. lines were you given in the Brandenburg then? Were you given the, uh, the so tops? I'm, of I'm doing... I was doing viola. Ah, okay. It's. I mean, one thing that's really interesting, and this may have uh, this may have struck you as well, is because synthesizers, when you hear them in in isolation, you know, a, a raw tone is quite unexpressive and not particularly inspiring compared to the complexity of a of a piano voice and a piano sound because of all of the dynamics mm. and stuff. I mean, how did you find that adapting? Mm. Because that's the one thing. I mean, we've done a piece with Will on the Mo uh, at the Mogan Sobel, and I, I've uh, seen them several times. I don't think I've seen them while you've been playing. Um, but the, the timbrality and the dynamics that they managed to get out of these effectively sort of one or non-velocity sense of instruments is amazing. So you must yeah. have had to learn all of that too. 
Yeah, so that was um, kind of initially the real challenge because um, I very quickly realized that no matter how I played with my fingers, the sound was just staying the same, um, regardless of the touch. So, um, so yeah, I mean, in the moves, you'll notice that, I mean, because they're monosynths, um, we often just play with one hand and our, um, you know, other hand is permanently attached to a filter or something. So we've got, a, a you know, yeah. um, some sort of expression there, um, volume pedals and foot pedals as well are used, but, um, yeah, so throughout the, um, well, throughout sort of learning how to, to play this synth, I um, just like marked up all of my, um, so initially the Brandenburg just made sure that all of the dynamics were written in and uh, um, just... So it's just a question of figuring out, translating what that means into in terms of a, a hand movement yeah. on the synth, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, especially like octaves, so changing octaves um, a lot, that was probably um, one of the main challenges. Um but yeah, so, I mean, I use, I mean, I just use the, the, the cutoff here as my main source of um, expression, but then there's also modulation comes into that as well. But others in the ensemble um, use the iwi. So I think yeah, Will, the will uses the wind one of those as well. Yeah, yeah so um, that allows for a bit more sort of natural mm. expression. So, um, so you started with yeah. a you started with a classic synth SH09, great sounding instrument, masses of mm. low end, and I'm guessing I'm I mean the piano obviously has a full range, but it doesn't give you quite the same oof as electronic instruments. Is, what was it about the electronic stuff that kind of got you? Was it was it the power of the low end, or was it just the Timbrel Express? What, what was it that kind of maybe sort of first got you into it? Well, um. <sighs> I've always really enjoyed listening to electronic music. So I suppose it kind of just opened up a whole different sound world. Um, and yeah, the SH09 has an awesome um, low end, um, but also quite a nice warm sort of mid range to it as well. Um, I mean, I think for me, it, things really begun to get fun when I bought the my first poly synth. Yeah. Um, that was That's when a profit six, I, right? Yeah, so this is my um, Prophet 6, and I was quite lucky. Um, I was able to try quite a few of the Dave Smith um, instruments because quite a few of the Moog team have them. Um, so I, I tried, I think I tried a Rev 2. Um, I had, I tried a Prophet 6 um, and, and an OB, I think, as well. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, I... I fell in love with the Prophet Six quite quickly, and that really opened up um, a kind of new world. Especially as it's just way more practical because um, you can obviously write your sounds, um, so you can save sounds and things. So, um, yeah, it's a bit more practical than. Well, you've got more expression in it as well because obviously you've got aftertouch. I mean, this is another thing. I mean, the aftertouch as a concept to a pianist is kind of a bit weird, I suppose, because yeah. it's just not something that's part of your muscle memory either, right? Do you do you find that you're no. using that? Yeah, so I mean, I'm still um, playing um, as as I would sort of on a piano, even if it's not changing the sound. But yeah, the aftertouch I do use quite a lot. Um, I mean, it, I, I'm a bit careful with the aftertouch because it can um, it can go too far yeah. in one direction. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have a bit more sort of um, control on on this one. But still, you know. It's, unweighted keys and yeah. um, 
doesn't doesn't really feel like a piano but yeah <laughs> well okay uh, let's let's rewind a little bit so you know you you were performing as a child in this kind of suzuki school method then mm-hmm. uh what's the transition between that and you performing with other musicians and the improvisation and the jazz stuff was there a, an education aspect to that or was it just purely through networks of friends and, and associates and so a bit of both. I um, I went to, in my sort of late teens, I went to Junior Trinity College of Music. So they have this Saturday school um, for uh, kids under 18. Um, and you can go to um, the Trinity College in, in London. Yeah. Um, it's based at the old um, Naval School. And um, that was a really amazing experience for me. I only managed to spend about two years there because um, I kind of went quite late in my teens. But... Um, yeah, it's, you know, a, a wonderful building and you just have hallways full of practice rooms with Steinway pianos in um, and just all these facilities. So it was really amazing to to have that as a, as a teenager. Um, so I'd go up every Saturday and um, I'd, well, you'd have lots of um, different sort of classes like musicianship and things like that, but mainly I focused on um, piano and I also um, did a little bit of jazz there. So that kind of inspired me to to do a little bit more within um, jazz. But then after that, I went to um, the University of Bristol to study music. Right. Um, and that um, I kind of dived into uh, sort of, French contemporary music a lot when I was was there didn't do so much jazz really just focused on um hardcore modern music <laughs> right <laughs> hardcore I imagine I mean I mean yeah. the thing about going to any one of these places where there's a whole I mean it always it reminds me you know it's like fame in the 70s where there are all these kids who are just kind of like <laughs> hey let's let's form a band let's do a gig I mean it, there yeah. must be a lot and exercising those muscles I think must be very rewarding because normally for the rest of us who aren't involved in musical education getting all of that together is just so cumbersome and difficult so I mean yeah. just having it on tap Oh yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, and, and actually as a pianist, as, especially at the university of Bristol, you're, um, kind of, you managed to be involved in quite a few things because, well, I suppose you're always needed, aren't you? Um, but I did quite a lot of accompanying there. So I accompanied like loads of different instrumentalists, um, worked with composers a lot. So I really enjoyed working with like other composers and playing, um, new pieces by composers at the department. So, um, that was really good fun. Um, and, yeah, I had a wonderful teacher there called Ray Clark, and he introduced me to loads of um, loads of music. But yeah, it's nice because especially as a pianist, often you are isolated a bit. You don't, you know, I did play in the orchestras a couple of times, um, but it's not really a sort of standard orchestral instrument. No, so, it's usually that you'd, um, be, you'd be the soloist generally in that kind of scenario. Wouldn't yeah, you? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was lovely to be around other musicians and, and feel sort of part of something instead of just on your own all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm guessing now at the moment, I mean, uh, and this is one thing that the, maybe the St. George's opportunity arose, you know, gigs and, and doing that is, is, is non-existent for many people. So mm. when, how are you keeping yourself kind of going and, you know, creativity? I mean, are you finding it tough or are you actually finding it, because some people are finding it hard, some people are finding it easier, depending on, you know, which way it's going for them. Yeah. So, um, so I've been quite lucky. Um, I mean, well, obviously back in March, everything, everything was cancelled. I had um, a full sort of diary really and 
everything was was white but that was the case for other musicians as well of course um i also teach i teach piano i have 20 students um so that kept going which was right. um really nice um obviously over zoom um but all of my students are lovely and they managed to adapt really quickly and i actually found teaching piano over zoom um well it still is working quite well um but yeah then in the um latter half of the the year i've actually had quite a few things um come through but it did initially open up a lot more time just to write music so that's um i wrote the um a solo piece for synth called move out um which was released sort of early summer um and then um i wrote I think it was quite, it was like piano day. There's a piano day in, um, I think it was March. So in the first few weeks of, of lockdown, I wrote a piece for piano day. (laughs) Um, and, and then actually recently I've been um, quite lucky. I've been doing um, a lot more sort of session work. Um, so this previous lockdown, I was working throughout that. Oh, Um, is that remote? so So you're kind of putting parts down and sending them back or how is that working? Um, so no, it wasn't remote actually. Um, it was based, um, sort of around London in a few studios. Um, so, uh, various bits of like promo and, um, recordings and things, but yeah, it managed to continue really throughout lockdown all in a sort of socially distanced environment, but yeah. Well, I noticed on your CV that you you've toured quite extensively um, and done sessions with Kylie. So, how did tell me that? Because we have a connection. Because I actually remixed Kylie back years and many, many, many years ago. Ah. So there's a thread, and then I know that Will and Alison co-wrote a song with Kylie uh, during the Goldfrapp years, which I'm oh, desperate really? to get along to the session because I want because we'd never met, and she rang me up years and years ago to thank me for the remix, which was obviously a manager just saying, you know, yeah, it's Nick. <laughs> Hi, Nick. Thank you for the remix. You know. So what what was what did you do with her then? Was that a studio or a so, live? So unfortunately, yeah. Well, it was a studio. So that was actually um quite recently. Um unfortunately I didn't actually meet her. We were um recording at um one of the Maloco studios up in North London. Yeah. Um Assault and, and Battery. So um yeah, so it was just the band. Um but I think it's going to be released soon. I'm not quite sure what's what's happening, but yeah, it was, was that a great piano? track. And, was um, that piano you were playing? Uh, so yeah, it was, a, well, I did a piano part and um, synth part as well, just on the Prophet 6, actually. Um, so yeah, I did the piano stuff first and then um, some crazy synth stuff. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really good fun. Really, really good fun. <laughs> so, so coming back to this uh, this whole St George's gig, I mean, uh, let me play a little bit of the the third piece, which is uh, Move Out, which has more because the first two are quite piano heavy. Uh, actually, I was going to mm-hmm. ask um, the first part, uh, first piece, uh, which is uh, EP one point one. Very imaginative. Yeah, I'm not great with names, <laughs> but it really reminded me of like systems kind of stuff, like Steve Reich and that kind of counter rhythms was that what was that the inspiration for that just just like an aside yeah so i i really enjoy steve Reich. i've played quite a few um pieces of uh, with of steve reich's and um just really enjoy um the the sort of repetitive nature but also um because he was a percussionist as well and i yeah. um used to play drums so um everything for me um comes from a sort of percussive point of view so i really wanted that to um come across in in that first piece um so there's lots of like repeated notes um very much treating the piano 
as it is as a yeah. percussive instrument. So um, yeah, but um, I really enjoy the the Steve Reich stuff. So that definitely probably. I, I did notice you have quite you you are quite you have quite a forceful technique at least on those pieces on that piece and the second piece the the third piece rather the second piece is a bit more uh, yeah. a bit more sort of old school piano composition I suppose if that's a, yeah. if that's not too derivative. No, not at all. first wrote um, my like piano EP essentially I just wanted to um, have a mix of kind of fast short uh, percussive pieces and then sort of softer more intimate um, pieces that all of I mean all of these pieces have stemmed from an improvisation and that's probably why I haven't written any of them down but um, but yeah I just wanted that balance I mean all of them are quite short as well because I have quite a short attention span so I can't really write anything over three minutes um so I think the first Perfect one is only like two minutes yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you um, say you say you don't write yeah. anything down is that because I mean do you find the writing process if you have to annotate or notate it is that difficult or I mean imagine you must be kind yeah. of pretty fluent in it or does it well, I don't, oh, I really do. Um, I kind of just have a mental block with writing things down. And um, I think especially when I'm writing for piano and supposedly for myself to perform, um, I kind of feel like I don't need to, but then um, I do Can't have remember. to sometimes listen, yeah. yeah, listen back and think, what was I doing there? Well, as long as you record um, it. If you, if you recorded it via MIDI, you could use a score editor to actually sort of get the rough, the rough stuff around, right? Yeah, I can. And probably should do that. Yeah, there's a tip for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so Take I'm just going to let me play a little bit of the last uh, the last movement, um, which is Move Out, uh, which has more of the electronic, and maybe we can talk a little bit how that was put together. watch the whole thing because it's really compelling i mean you've so looking at your relaxed and smiling face now you look like you were so <laughs> in the zone and really fo no i won't tell anybody was that a one take thing or how many takes did that take so um so it's i mean it's all live um 
we did everything that um, you see is is one one take. I did a few takes of each of each piece. Um, mainly, I had a couple of problems initially with my um, the the pad, the trigger pad that I was using, so I had to stop and start, move out um, a couple of times just because um, that wasn't coming through. But um, but yeah, the, it was it was one take. I mean, there's multiple camera angles um, yeah. through there, but yeah, um, it, it was all one take. And what are you using? Because obviously, not everything. Some of it is be is playback or or at least sequenced or something. What what do you yeah. use to for the for the backing? I mean, because it sounded like that initial sequence was almost like a grunged up version of what was happening on the piano. Yeah, exactly, and it, it was. So um, I've, I had just um, a bit of track on Ableton, so I wrote um, the piece on Ableton. That was another thing. In, um, at the beginning of lockdown, I bought myself Ableton. I'd previously been using Logic. Um, and so that was the first thing I wrote wow. on Ableton. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, so that was just sort of the the, the backing because unfortunately I um, can't play every single part at the same time. No, but I try no. to do as much as I can. <laughs> well, it's very, um, very tight. That first, that first SH09 part is really, I mean, that's where I was thinking that's, that feels like it's the the Mo Ensemble chops kind of uh, going on there, right? Yeah, the Bart Brandenburg has helped with that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I um, I didn't have much sort of scope for expression on like that because I was actually using both both hands at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's I mean the main challenge I think was just moving around the the synths like the choreography. In, um, I had to. Yeah, the choreography of it, um, and um, and changing sounds as well. So I was changing the sounds by, myself. Um, mm. So a lot of the time, I had to play something and, and make sure I was moving on to the next sound. So I just had to be very, very organised about it, um, and that's probably why I have such an intense concentration face. <laughs> but it worked. I mean, it works really well, and I think that that's the thing that's quite interesting about how. I mean, to, to the fact that you started this off. You know, you start. You learnt effectively Ableton at the beginning of the year, and then you know, in in October when I guess this was ready, you you off you went. I mean, that's quite an achievement. Mm-hmm. I mean, another thing I suppose is as a as a a classical player or or an improviser. I mean, how do you find having to deal with the grid? Do you find it really limiting, or have you found workarounds to kind of give it a bit of life and breath? Yeah, it's yeah, it's really interesting because. Um, uh, yeah, initially in Ableton, you kind of want to sort of warp everything. So it's like metronomically in time, but actually um, it just makes it less human, really. So, um, yeah, I've kind of um, embraced the sort of more human element or trying trying to sort of um, make everything feel as if it's not just stuck on a, on a grid. But, um, yeah, I'm writing a piece at the moment, actually, where I'm trying to really make sure that um it's not just it's it's easy to kind of get in in four bar sequences and and repeat a little bit so i'm just trying to move away from that move out did have that kind of four bar repetitive nature to it but um i didn't mind that so much because i kind of wanted to write it as if as if it was a sort of um pop song for for a synth essentially do you find you get lost in sound design? Is that something that you, when you start, do you have, when you're making sounds for these, do you find that you have something in your head that you then try and make, or do you just flip a preset and then tweak it to sort of fit, you know, musically what you're working on? 
so the, the Prophet 6 has got quite a bright character to it. So it's great for creating kind of percussive sounds and all of the sounds in Move Out, um, every single sound was written using these three synths. So even the drum sounds, the drum sounds were mainly written on the Prophet ah, 6 okay. um, and, and the SH-09. Um, so it's quite, it, yeah, it's just a really versatile synth for making these percussive, like noisy sounds. Um, and then it's got quite a spiky bass sound. Um, so that was really good fun making like all the percussion. Is that, um, is that something that's important to you to, be, to to know the provenance of the sounds that you make in a piece? I mean, is that part? Yeah, um, I really like, yeah, I, I think I just really like the idea of basically doing all the sound design on the synth. So actually once the sounds in Ableton, there was really not much that I did. I didn't use any MIDI instruments um, and I didn't really have to um, put any effects on, on the sound because I had done that mainly from, from the synth. Um, so trying to give it like that analog feel, I maybe slightly overloaded it. There were like 90 tracks. Um, <laughs> well, so it was quite a complex session. <laughs> it was a complex session then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was quite complex. Um, but the the Prophet Six, for instance, has in, an inbuilt um, like effect thing, so yeah. you can add you can add reverb and things on on that, which helps with some of the percussive sounds. Um, but then the the MS Twenty, which I'm not hearing, but that, I can hear um, that. Just as the, oh, you can hear that. Okay, yeah, I can hear. That. Um, it's okay. I have no idea what what sound is coming out of it. I can't actually hear it, but. Um, bass sound so all the most of the bass lines were written on the ms20 interesting and because the ms20 filters are also very characterful and you do the high i know we we uh we we got will to come along to one of our uh, uh sort of live events and he brought the ms20 it was sort of bring a synth and say why uh, you love it and he was he was just waxing <laughs> lyrical because of the the harmonics you can pluck out between those two fill is that the MS20 um Corgri issue is it it's not an original yeah it's no it's not the original i, I thought it looked it in too good um, condition <laughs> yeah <laughs> unfortunately um but i bought it off a, a a friend of mine drew morgan who also is in um bristol he um he gave me that so um yeah it's it's probably quite good you can't see my terrible patching from this angle but um, yeah, really nice big bass. And, and I've actually got it going through um, uh, a sort of bass processor, which just gives it a bit more warmth. But, uh, what, um, like a bass preamp? Yeah, well, it's, a, it's called a Sonic Exciter. Um, ah, okay. So that, that's a BBE it, or something, isn't it? Or Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just adds a little bit more warmth sometimes to the, the, the low end. But that's only when I, when I want that. <laughs> so i mean in terms of because it sounds like you're quite late to the whole kind of technical aspects of music production i mean are you do you because some people i i know i'm the same you know when i because I, I, I review gear for a living and sometimes i find i'm sitting there and it's just like just stop i'm just i don't want it to get in the way i just want to kind of get on with it i mean do you find that frustrating or do you find it a kind of quite exciting and thrilling uh procedure and process yeah, so um, I find it really exciting. I mean, I don't, I've, it's taken me a while to sort of understand how everything works. But um, at the end of the day, I just, um, you know, use my ear. And if I like the sound of something, um, that's what I that's what I use. How I've got there, I, I don't sometimes know. Um, you know, I, I don't really know much about like the physics behind um, 
the no, that's, unlike, that's not you know. that's not important. That's why a synth has a user <laughs> interface, isn't it? So that you can tweak the knobs and, and do that stuff. That's the whole point. Um, but yeah, it's it's just sort of opened up a whole different um, sort of world as well. And I, I mean, everything stems from a keyboard. So I'm not sure how I've I've never really tried, but I'm not sure how I'd, um, how keen I'd be on like the modular synths and things because for me it's still all about yeah. playing basically but um give yeah, it time it, it comes to everybody yeah. ultimately <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what's next for, so what's next for you then i mean what because i mean obviously it's hard to plan ahead but i mean the idea of doing these kind of bespoke uh um pre-film things that I mean, you, you did it as a YouTube premiere. There are a lot, there are avenues and kind mm. of ways through this as musicians. And it's just, it's a question of finding, have you got a kind of plan? Have you got something you're working on? What's, what's going to be next? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we'll have to see how um, everything pans out really. But um, my aim is to next year start performing um, sort of more of a full length um, solo set for piano and synth. So um, I'm working towards doing that. I've actually got a solo synth set coming up in Bristol in early February, whether it happens, um, fingers crossed. Um, it was meant to be in November and it was cancelled. So it's been rescheduled for early Feb. Um, that will just be solo synth. Um, so I'm going to be writing um, some more stuff for that. Um, and then hopefully, um, maybe when we're able to, perform more um with a with a piano but if not i'm i'm going to um go down the route of maybe doing a live streamed concert yeah um because that, i mean yeah. i think that's 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 definitely a kind of a, a way to go because i mean lots of people are finding mm. it's just i suppose the thing is if you're in isolation and you're having to perform and think about the technical aspects it can get a bit overloading i mean you've got a piano yeah. there when you perform, yes. is, a, is a piano always something that you, a real a physical piano something you always have to have? Are you a difficult artist that requires a, a highly tuned Steinway <laughs> Model D at all your venues, and, or you just stomp off? <laughs> oh my god! No, I genuinely I will play anything. As if it's a if a, if there's a piano there, I I will play it whatever um, condition it is in. Um, I um, yeah. I mean, I'd love to perform with with a piano. I'm aware that it does limit slightly um, kind of venue choices and, th and things like that. So um, I think I need to be really practical and work on a set that, um, you know, just in case there's there's not a piano, because I would like to perform as much as possible and um, kind of get out there. So um, I'll have to work on a different version of a set. Um, maybe with a, I have a, um, a CP88, piano but i think right. i'm i'm keen to i'm keen to sort of uh, move away from the electric keyboard sound so if i do incorporate more of a piano sound into my set i'll kind of probably manipulate it um slightly so it's not i'm not trying to just copy a piano sound right um, so you're prepare you're preparing your own prepared pianos i suppose yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well, well, I mean, it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. I, I, I was going to ask where do people find out where, where to find your stuff and because I, I know I struggled. So I, I know that we've got uh, – you can be found on Spotify, right? So definitely on Spotify. Spotify. yeah. And also uh, Instagram and uh, – Instagram, yeah. And SoundCloud as well, I noticed. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at my SoundCloud uh, for a bit, but um, – 
Definitely. I mean, I, um, I'm not like the best at social media, um, but I have decided to focus on one thing and that's Instagram. Um, so I'm not great on Facebook. I don't do Twitter, but I am fairly regular, um, on Instagram. So that's so people can see you'll be, presumably you'll be promoting your upcoming events on that, right? (laughs) Yes, definitely. Ah. (laughs) So, Georgie, thank you so much for talking to us. I hope you have uh, as good a Christmas as it's possible to have. But I mean, in your room, I guess you can write some write some music and uh, and just get lost in that for a while, right? Yeah, I'm very. I'm, you know, one thing that music has taught me is I'm pretty good at isolation. And if I've got these guys around me, I'll be fine. It's going to be a great Christmas. <laughs> 